creativelyanddeliberately.com, a podcast where we will discuss how to creatively and deliberately make choices that give life meaning. I am your host, Dana Hansen, so thanks for joining me. Last episode, we talked about creatively showing curiosity to ourselves and others by being emotionally intelligent. In this podcast, we'll talk about proactive progressing, not reactive progressing because, well, is that even possible? Reactive actions generally lead to regression, and that's not what we're shooting for. We're wanting to move forward. As humans, we instinctively strive to progress towards something that gives us feelings of significance that then leads to contributing to others in life. Here's an example of such striving. So my daughter has always wanted to be a nanny. This past summer, she got discouraged when it took a few months longer than she had hoped to find the right family for her. She even changed agencies to get it right. Shortly after she was placed, she went through an adjustment stage for being far away from home and making sure she was catching on to her new responsibilities so the family was pleased. I was trying to console her through a text that then ended up being an insight into my own life. As a parent, we get to have these rare opportunities to inspire our children that in turn teach us. This was one of those times. So here's what my text said to her. You have felt strong about nannying for so long, and I believe there's a reason as to why. God helps us have certain burning desires on purpose. You are where you are supposed to be. I just know it. We've fasted and prayed about it many times. Now just trust the process. That's when I mentioned to her something about loving that she chose to go to another family's home to share her special talents. And then I said, Jesus teaches us not to hide our talents in the ground in the parable of the talents. To me, this means that we must take risks. What? It's funny how inspiration comes right out of your own mouth without you even being aware to its wisdom. I continued, when we do this, That's when our talents multiply and we get back more than we ever gave. I said to her, I'm glad that you're brave enough to multiply your talents instead of burying them here at home. And you, my dear, have many talents to share. And that's not a lie. She has lots of God-given talents, as do all of my children. I'd never thought of this parable in this light before that the Lord does want us to take risks in order to expand and grow. In the scriptures, we all know that talents are actually referred to as money, and taking money risks has always scared me. But now I see the value in trying to multiply what you have by investing in something that will increase and grow. I'm married to a man who believes in sharing his talents, such as money, through investments so that they multiply. This type of risk has always scared me over the years, but now I see the value in reproducing what you are given, be it money or any other gifts. When I tied this truth into what my daughter was doing with her time and talents is when I finally was able to see more clearly 
that God doesn't want us to bury what we have materially, physically, or spiritually. We are stewards over the things He has given us, and He would love it if we would expand in whatever we have been given. So let's read a line or two from this parable found in Matthew. The whole story is found in chapter 25 verses 14 through 30, but let's read verse 14 and then 15. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey. And so they all knew that they were to take charge over what was given them. In this story, when the Lord of the servants came back for a reckoning as to what each one had done with his gifts, he learns that the men with two and five talents had doubled what they were given. But that wasn't the case with the man with only one talent. So in verse 24, we read, He which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. In other words, everything seemed to turn to gold in the master's hands. But was that really the case? This man probably was oblivious to all the master had to do to multiply what he had. The man then said, I was afraid, and I went, and I hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. Because this man was afraid, he buried that which he had, and it never expanded or multiplied. God has given us all individual gifts and talents that we have stewardship over. Hiding what we are given doesn't do anyone any good. The Lord wants to see us grow and expand with our possessions, which in turn blesses us and others. After advising my daughter with this spiritual comparison, I realized how important it is that we step out of our comfort zones to grow and improve and expand in all areas of our lives. I then gained a new view of the financial risks that my husband has taken over the years. He was just trying to multiply and grow that which he had been given, like the Lord hopes we all will. It's been scary to me at times, but has all turned out for good. So risk is necessary for growth. Prudence is still needed, but burying and hiding doesn't get you anywhere either. What's the common phrase about the ship? A ship wasn't built to stay in the harbor. Instead of viewing, stepping out of our comfort zone, and doing new things as a road of trial and error, we need to view it as a road of trial and correction. It's okay to learn from your experiences that don't go as you have planned. Correcting how they're done or viewing them in a new way keeps you trying and moving forward. It's easy to view trial and errors as failures. And then it becomes a reason for burying and hiding away from future errors. My husband has shown me how the past doesn't equal the future. How many times do we view life from this mindset? 
that the past will equal the future, especially when its outcome isn't what we want. Error isn't always going to be the result if we will correct what we've done and try even better at succeeding in multiplying what we've been given with flexibility and faith. Let's not let risk scare us away from progress. By defining risk as a means of growth, we can step into territories we were once leery of. In the parable, the man with the only one talent worried about what he didn't know, and he let that paralyze him. Therefore, he didn't have any results worth reporting. The Lord of the servants said something to the extent he should have at least put the money to the exchangers, and then there would have been some interest. Burying and holding and hiding what we've been given is a waste. Let's not waste that which God has given us. So hopefully this story opened your eyes like it did mine, and now hopefully we aren't as fearful to take a risk. I don't want to be considered as a slothful servant. Do you? The specific risk I want to address in this podcast is called the risk of setting goals. Believe me, at times setting goals can feel just as scary as a financial risk, even when it has nothing to do with money. But knowing that God believes in taking risks helps us move out of our comfort zones for something more. Here are some of the types of goals that we can make. Developing a new skill, achieving a specific outcome, or breaking a habit. When we set a goal, we are in a sense putting our talents in with the exchangers for a bit of interest in return. First, we must decide on a long-term goal so that we can then figure out the small action steps that will lead us toward that end goal. The goals I'm talking about need to last a bit more than 21 days that tend to make it in January as a New Year's resolution. Determining our long-term goal is necessary. Since shooting is such a big part of our lives, I want to show this by comparing it to how my husband prepares for a pistol shooting competition. Here's a shout out to CAPS or USPSA who shoot for speed and accuracy. If you've never heard of them, you should look them up and see how this competitive shooting world works. A competitive pistol shooter has to know where the target that he wants to hit is before any other decision is made. That means my husband sizes up the distance, the stance, and the angle to shoot from, and each target is different, so there's a lot of planning. Before any shot is made, he visualizes what it will take to hit the targets. I really wish you could see how they do this. They will dry fire each action like 10 or more times as they visualize hitting the target. I really wish you could see how vital this practice is for this sport. I think it's similar for us. And when we set goals, we have to visualize it. It is a timed sport. Some guys are known to shoot nine rounds in like three seconds. So his intention has to be precise. In a competition, there's generally five to eight various targets strategically arranged in different levels of difficulty, which is 
called a stage. And there's about six different stages, a whole competition. So there's a lot of calculating. He has to take into account all of the many walls and fault lines that block the targets. My husband must also visualize where he needs to position himself to hit the target that might be small or moving. This visualization is a necessary part of successfully hitting the bullseye when the timer starts. Making decisions of how to approach each stage ahead of time can be the same as setting goals and projecting for any obstacle that will block your progress. Planning ahead helps when the pressure to perform doesn't allow for much time to think. Now, the tricky thing about having long-term and short-term goals is balancing what you're focusing on. My husband can't stare at each target in the course all at once. That's impossible. It has to be one target at a time. And that's why he has to know what each plan of action is before the clock starts. That's the same as knowing what your long-term goal is at the beginning so that each step you take will lead you to hitting the goal. It all takes planning and precision, weighing out all of your options and then deciding on how to proceed. This is done in lots of different areas, like writing a book. You have to know what story you want to tell, and then you'll have to break it down into chapters and details. If you want to start a business, you have to know what it is that you're providing and who you are providing for. There's defining what weight loss you want or any other personal improvement goal that requires the big picture and then how to make it happen. I believe that God designed the opportunity for us to come to earth to improve and gain experience and wisdom, telling us specifically how to work out our salvation with big, medium, and short-term goals. Even provided the perfect example, his son, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God shows us there is a method to the madness. We first start with the big picture, and then we chunk down to measurable, manageable goals. Did you know, short-term goals are just as important because we need to have small successes or small measurements that we can evaluate for the best long-term results. That's why my husband loves that there's more than one stage to work on. His skills and decision-making can be measured and then taken into account to produce the desired results he's looking for as he goes. We should view all short-term goals in this manner, that they are manageable. At one time or another, they just become market analysis that allows us to improve, but they're doable actions or tasks so that we can keep our momentum going. Now, the biggest motivator for setting goals is determining the why and what you want in working toward any particular goal. Your why has to be strong enough to raise you above the typical walls or obstacles that will stand in your way. With this shooting sport, my husband loves that there is a challenge and loves that there's room for improvement. Goals are meant to stretch you as you expand but it's important to know why you want what it is you want. Having a purpose will propel you forward, 
Acknowledging and planning for dips in commitment will help in getting you beyond the 21 days or the short term so that you can celebrate and lasting until the end. The costs and the benefits of accomplishing goals will come into play. And if you keep your eyes set on benefits instead of the costs, you will succeed in progressing onward and upward. When the target is too small to hit dead on, there's nothing wrong with calling it a correction stage. But we never want to slip into trial and error because it's easier to settle into a failure mindset. When we fall into that mindset, it'll be easier to fail ahead of time and then bury and hide from any further risks. Knowing ahead of time that expanding and multiplying our efforts, talents, and gifts is the path that we want as we proactively progress in life towards activities and causes that give life meaning will help us moving forward with a sense of fulfillment and purpose. And then, if you will celebrate your victories, then enjoyment can be part of the process as well. Join me in episode 8 where we'll discuss more about succeeding in life. 